room just showing replays of the fail Mary. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Guys, I can't get out of this room. It only shows replays of the Hail Mary. It's actually just the broadcast of Sports Center. <laughs> like, it's just the game broadcast. What do I do? Help me. Help me get Still escape. a great play. I just don't under I don't understand how many times we're gonna have to see that and then the comeback and then like it's just it's there's like this narrative built up around Green Bay Seattle now. It's like a it's like a real rivalry because we keep getting we both keep getting first in our division, right? Yeah. Yeah. And That's we always it. that happens with good teams. Yeah, it's always a always a good matchup too. All right, well, we're gonna break down that and then like the final depth chart decisions in just a minute. But first, there's something that happened this week. There is a great Seahawk that we need to honor. And you know, on this podcast, this man was given quite a bit of stick and for good reason. Let's not let's be honest. His play over the last year or so was a little bit of a letdown. But this man bled the blue and green. He was Pacific Northwest. Born and bred. He played for UW. He's from the hometown. And I think that he deserves our respect, bare minimum. And that's Jermaine Curse. Okay, I'm just going to ask you guys two questions. One, uh, how do you just, what are your general, first question, what are your general feelings now that Jermaine's gone? Eric. Go, oh, you want to go first or are you giving it to me, Kevin? I'm giving it to you. Okay. Go for it. Take All right. My, my, my <laughs> thanks, Hasselbeck. All right. So I think I have been the most vocal critic of Jermaine Curse on this show where you guys would back it up with stats last year saying you know Jermaine Curse he hasn't really been that good he's on the field too much he had a really uh, bad catch rate last year like yeah 46 percent I was constantly saying all the things I didn't like about him such as the NFC championship game against uh, your favorite team the Packers there Nathan uh where Russell Wilson threw four interceptions three of them bounced off the hands of Jermaine Curse yep and yeah he the fans of Jermaine Curse will say, you know, this guy, this guy caught, caught the, the game-winning ball. It, the guy was draped all over him. It seemed like a hard catch that he made. It was amazing. It was a really awesome catch. And that he would be much differently remembered if we ran the ball at the end of the Super Bowl. Yep. Because that catch he made on the goal line is an all-timer. That, well, his 2014 playoffs was one of the best stretches of his career. But that Patriots catch is the best. It's well, that, such that a That Patriots catch. catch, I turned my head away because I thought there was no way that that ball was caught. And he like bounced off his foot. Then he caught it with his legs and his hands. It was amazing. However, I have to bring up the final play of the game where we threw the ball. Jermaine did not do his job. He did not block out Malcolm Butler. We all know what happened. Malcolm Butler made that interception. The, one, bad play call. But... Jermaine Curse did not do his job in that situation. Having said that, I know the love that people here have for Jermaine Curse. And Jermaine, just like Doug Baldwin, came in as an undrafted Seahawk, made the team, deserved to make the team. I get the love for Jermaine. I have my problems with him. I'm glad that he's on another team because I'm a Seahawks fan. But also, I'll just say, I think that he can now redefine his career away from Seattle and that will be very, very good for Jermaine Curse, and I'm really happy for him. Right. Let me talk about yeah, first. Go for it, Kevin. I'm going to do this in two parts. First off, Jermaine Curse, the player. Jermaine Curse, the player, was a scrappy, undrafted free agent who perfected the little things in football. A very good downfield blocker. Yes. Very agreed. good, just all of the little jobs. Uh, quality special teams player. This is a guy who did the little things that you do to make a roster as well as anyone. If you, as a young wide receiver trying to make an NFL club, want to pick someone, you know, best person would be Doug Baldwin, but right after that is Jermaine Curse. 
if you want to see like the blueprint on how to work your way onto an NFL team. Sure. And I mean, he yeah. does all the little things. You're right, Kevin. He knows how to sit down in the zone. He knows yep. how to run a really good seam route and use his shoulder to create separation. But he's 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 not he lacks the like true burst right to be like the great. This is a eulogy. I, I'm just going with the positive here. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I want I don't want people to feel bad that we lost him. Like, uh, no, no. That's that's the end part of this, which is why I'm going to talk about it as a person second because I want to end by ripping him. But uh, we're at a point where the amount of money that he's making and the talent level of the roster demands that he was not the best person for that roster spot. And for that reason, it was time to part ways. But because we didn't cut a talented player who has a spot on our future, then we get to leave on terms where I still feel good about Curse. Because if we'd have cut a player I think could play a factor in our future and kept him this year, and he had another middling year, that w- I would be harder to like him. Because now I can remember that gritty, hard-nosed play and some of those big plays that he made. And I can remember... Jermaine Curse a human being. Yeah, and what Someone you, who it was a part of the heart of the team. He was Doug Baldwin's best friend. Yeah. Which I think yeah. is as big a thing as you could say about anyone. You know, Doug Baldwin seems awesome. Jermaine, Jermaine Curse's best friend. He's probably a good guy. Yeah, just Northwest through and through. And for that reason, you know, he's got a spot in our hearts. He's a good player. But, you know, this was the right time. And I, I wish him success, you know. He could be an impact player on a team that really lacks quality players. And I can't wait to hear him on, like, local sports radio in five years when he's retired. Like, he's going to be, like, a good, like, local level announcer. Much better than Warren Moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Shots come on. fired. <laughs> okay. So, let's talk about I can't the... can't wait to get real wrong. The second part is, let's talk about the actual trade. Okay. Let's talk a little X's and O's. We traded him in a... Was it? Did it end up being a second or a third rounder? Second, wasn't it? Uh, the last I saw, it was reported as a second. Okay. I did not see second rounder for, to the Jets, and in return, we received defensive tackle, new member of what they are calling death row, Sheldon Richardson. So, uh, Eric, you got to start last time. Kevin, tell us a little bit about Sheldon Richardson, our new, our uh, shiny new defensive tackle. All right. So, uh, I want you to picture in your head everything that you like about. A interior defensive lineman. Uh, yeah, Congratulations, you just pictured Sheldon Richardson. Yeah, I want you to think about everything we said about Malik McDowell's pass rush ability, but it's already polished. Right. Oh, and this guy is awesome against the run. Let's not forget that. Like he's he doesn't he doesn't even have like downside. Like Malik McDowell, we're like, eh, we're not sure he can play on first and second down because he's not that good against the run. This not, is a three down, proven defensive lineman. Who has played at a high quality, a high level in the NFL. He was one of the two players that made you constantly go, yeah, man, uh, the Jets team isn't very good, but you don't want to run into the middle of them because they will own you. Yeah, this is Sheldon Richardson. Like You put him in the same breath with guys like Gerald McCoy. It's just like complete defensive tackles who are amazing. The only difference is Sheldon Richardson's better at staying healthy. This is how good of an athlete Sheldon Richardson is. The Jets toyed around with playing him at linebacker last year, which is among the stupidest things I've ever heard. Let's take our otherworldly defensive tackle and play him at linebacker. Yeah, like, this this guy is a, was a legit defensive end in a 3-4, which is nuts and he's at gonna, his size. He's going to play the Mabane position. He'll play over the... Over that over that slot, he'll he's man, gonna play like a modified nose. We don't have a true nose in a four three. Yeah. So he won't, but he can flex to three technique. We just don't need him to. No. Um, basically, he's uh, he is better a Tyba Rubin against the run. 
and he provides pass rush from the interior. An interior pass rush is one of the most dangerous weapons in NFL defense. Now we today. have two interior pass rushers to go with our two outside pass rushers on third down. The third down defensive line is among the most terrifying things I can possibly imagine. The other thing to be considered here is we've talked about how Jaron Reed has the ability to develop into a better pass rusher. Now he has someone of a similar size that he can learn those things from. You can just watch him. Just sit back and watch, young fella. Like, play on rundowns. Because on first and second down, we're going to need to rest Richardson some, and we're going to need to rest uh, Bennett some. Yeah, it's just that's just the way it is. Those guys can't play every down. They're good enough, but they you got you, you got to. We want our guys to play around seventy to eighty percent of the downs. Yeah, and Nas Jones showed that he can hold up in uh, run block in uh, in run defense. Yeah. yeah, so Nas Jones and Jaron Reed will steal some snaps. Uh, David David Bass will steal some snaps. Uh, he made the team. Uh, you know, it'll just be those guys stealing some snaps. You know, about 30 percent of snaps each. Uh, Cliff Aver won't play until third down, like always. Uh, I, I love Cliff. He just comes in on the passing downs. He, he's, he's throwing the fastball. Like, I just love that stuff so much. He's kind of modified into the Chris Clemens role, and yeah. he does it to perfection. Yeah, he's just like, and he has every move, too. Like, yeah. every pass rush move. It's not like some of these guys are one-trick ponies. You know, it's like they only do the one move. They do the swim, or they do like an like a a in-out move, or a rip, yeah. and they speed move. Cliff does them all. Cliff does all the moves, and he does them all good. And I think Frank Clark... See, what we've seen with Frank Clark, he has a body size similar to Marta, uh, to uh, Mike, uh, to Michael Bennett. And he has uh, Bennett and Averill that he sat and watched. Two really strong defensive ends in their craft. Frank Clark That's has what shown, Reed could do. He has shown some nasty moves in oh this preseason, gosh. too. Where yeah. he's doing like a rip, then a swim. like And like things that like he's normal people just pass don't do. Like People just don't try this stuff because the moves take too long to develop. But not, with, not when, not when uh, Frank Clark does them. When Frank Clark does them, they develop immediately. Like he just he's off and he does he can combo up his moves like that, and that stuff is really hard to stop, especially yeah. if you're not a super athletic left tackle. And which, we have enough of a rotation that he can keep his energy up to be able to do it yeah, snap after snap. He can mostly play just second and third downs. He doesn't really need to play on first down. Like well, the, fir- the first down offensive line is going to look or defensive line is going to look a lot different. Teams are, teams might start to run the hurry up against us, like the the no huddle, just to keep guys off the field. But here's our thing: our defensive linemen are as athletic. And as the most athletic offensive lines. So, I mean, yeah, they might tire us out, but their offensive lines going to have to go back out on the field. We got a number two defensive line unit that, guess what? They're still good. Like, that's a war that they might not want to get into. Eric, how do you feel, how do you, feel you, you were trying to get in there? No, I was just saying, you know, we always want to get pressure with four. Mostly because, you know, blitzing means that there's not enough coverage in the, uh, in yep. the outfield, if you will. But... Also, let's face it, our blitzes don't always come home, and I, I, that's, that's true for anyone. But if you watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, their blitzes are fantastic. Their blitzes always seem to find a way to confuse the opponent and at least you know, cause some sort of havoc. With our blitzes, it's like, wow, we rush six guys, and they're not getting anywhere. If we choose to blitz, I'm not worried about anything. But I don't think we're going to have to blitz that much. I see like so much potential in five guys just mixing them around and always being I mean, fresh. These seven guys that we kept in defensive line, let's just get yes, straight into it. We were, we were gonna we were gonna go straight into roster uh, construction, so let's just go right into it. We kept let's just start with this. We kept way more linebackers than I thought. Yeah. If there was one position I was way off on, it was linebacker. Uh and that's because they f- I think they feel so confident in these seven guys at defensive line, just shuffle them around in whatever combination we can. Like, that's how good these guys played in the preseason. Frank Clark, Naz Jones, and David Bass are probably your your backups, if I want to put that in air quotes, although all of those guys could start for any number 
of NFL teams. That's a fact. And Averill Reed Richardson and Michael Bennett is your like first down uh, sort of thing. Although I think Averill probably won't play on first down very much. It'll probably be mostly David Bass uh, will play first downs in that in that configuration. But yeah, this is an amazing defensive line. Like it's just these seven guys are good. I think the team would have loved to have eight here. They would have loved to keep uh, you know a uh, well you know just. They have a lot of guys. Keeping a Tyber Rubin or, you know, I think that's why Garrison Smith found his way on the practice squad is he's probably the next defensive end or defensive tackle that we're going to put in. I mean, we still have Deion Jordan on the non-football injury list, Malik McDowell on the NFI list. Like, if those guys can get healthy, you know, those are guys that the team obviously decided were worth keeping around. Yeah. Uh, They used used the old tricks to keep them on the roster. Uh, uh, Yeah, so that's, that's the defensive line. Linebacker, the position I missed on. Okay, we kept... A lot of linebackers. We kept six. seven or six. Six. We kept Terrence Garvin, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Marcus Smith, seven. Michael Wilhoyt, Dewey McDonald, and DJ Alexander. Actually, seven, seven linebackers, which is a lot. A lot of these guys are really good special teamers, and I think that that played a lot of roles in the total roster construction. And as really well. athletic. When when we talked uh, the numbers, the Seahawks website has Marcus Smith going defensive line. Yes, and yeah, not as both. a linebacker. Yeah, I know he can play both, but that's he's, he's kind of a um, um, not exactly a hybrid. He's like a, but he's he can a three-four move around. outside linebacker, yeah. he, but he could play like the Michael Irvin he's a, role. He's a Cassius Marsh type, uh, where he exactly he, yeah he can do kind of either in a pinch. I, I would expect and this him is to, a first-round talent I from ex- a not a good draft, but I would expect still. him to uh, to you know just he, he was going to play around a little bit. He's a rotation guy. Uh, the secondary guys is basically what you expected after things started to happen, you know. Uh, the Thorpe thing, the Thorpe versus, uh, uh, wow, what's, dude, why can't I do it right now, Kevin? Why is DeAndre my brain Elliott? not working? The Thorpe, uh, Desir, Pierre Desir. Desir? Yeah, Pierre Desir. That was a point of contention for a lot of people. Uh, I think Thorpe just went out because he's a much better special teamer. Uh, so, and that, that plays up to the next thing we're going to talk about, which is the running backs. Uh, we were correct in our assumption that the team would keep 10 wide receivers plus running backs and one uh, fullback. The team did exactly <laughs> that. We uh, were just they did way keep, off and on we were who. pretty close on who they were keeping, too. We, we just pretty, really had a big uh, miss. We had a big miss on the fullback. We thought Marcel Reese was the lock, and Trey Madden was actually the one who made it. Uh, but we nailed the quarterbacks. Russell Wilson and Austin Davis are your quarterbacks. The running backs, we all said that these were the guys that had a shot. McKissick was a flex guy for most people. Yep, and uh, McKissick made it basically over Casey Williams here. Which, and I know, Kevin, you really liked, you were, you're high on J.D. McKissick. I, I'm not I'm not down on him. I was just really, it was, I'll say a pleasant surprise. I just really wish we could have kept Casey Williams. I, I agree. Casey Williams showed that he has a, He's earned a spot on the NFL roster, but I think Nathan will agree with me on this. Um, we were talking about this earlier, and it's really important about Jaden McKissick is he offers a return man so Tyler Lockett can get healthy. Yeah, the, the, he's just going to play a role that allows him to play some wide receiver, some running back. He's going to play a lot on special teams. Like, all these things together, they're going to lead to him being a, just a really useful player to have around. He's I also kind of CJ Procise insurance. The versatility kind of sold the team on Jaden McKissick. I think uh, we had to keep Carson. His preseason was too good. Uh, yeah. He's he's gonna play what uh, he's. I think he should should be ahead of Eddie Lace on the depth chart, but I doubt he is. Uh, plus, we needed just we needed running backs because who knows with Thomas Rawls? Like the if he's healthy, he's awesome, but he just can't get healthy. I think Carson is gonna get Rawls snaps for the game one. I think Rawls is gonna maybe see the field for a couple of touches. The Jets being willing to take Curse saved Amaro Darbo. 
Like, he was not making the team, I yep. think, instead of Curse. And then he made it at the last second. McAvoy made it because he's a great special teamer and a flexible player. And then the other three wide, wide receivers are obvious. Also, McAvoy had a great preseason game four. I don't think that was a deciding factor in any way. But yeah. we finally saw him be thrown footballs in a way that let him show his skills. And he showed some progress. He's still kind of a big play receiver. I like McAvoy, though, because I like his hands. And I feel like this is a guy who can come across the middle of the field in yeah. like a year or two. Yeah, he's we, an emergency quarterback. We trust him to do uh, to play good in the few snaps he's going to get, right? Yep. He's not going to get a ton of snaps, but like he's a trusted hand. Like we the know Luke Wilson we're getting. Uh, we kept three tight ends, as predicted. Uh, Vanette, Wilson, and Graham. Uh, Wilson was the only one that had a chance to not make the roster. But I think the team just valued the fact that He's he's going to be solid if either Graham or Vanette struggle or get hurt. Uh, Graham specifically with the injuries and Vanette with if he struggles with the workload. Yeah, Wilson's a known commodity. It's understandable why they did that. He's a good pass catcher. And like, we're going to carry three tight ends. I mean, that was just kind of a given. He has like one clutch catch for every one dumb thing he does. Yep, it's uh, true. <laughs> so then our offensive line kind of solid out the way we predicted. Uh, right, Glinski won out at right guard over Abushi by a hair. It seems yep. like both those guys played really good, and the team had a hard time making a decision. If Joko goes down, I feel pretty good about Abushi sliding in at left guard. Let me put it yeah. that way. I like. I know that I've read a lot about Abushi loves to play on the right side, so I'd be a little worried about so it. So maybe Glowinski would go left? Maybe. I don't know. But Glowinski, the, the team's really been, high on him on the right side. I was say, he's been reborn kind of as a right guard. I thought he wasn't that good last year on the left, and he's been great. I think if Joko goes down, you go Jordan Roos, man. Jordan Roos looks ready. Jordan Roos made the team. He deserved to make the team. Uh, we kept, of course, Matt Tobin, who we traded for. We made a trade for Isaiah Battle, Kevin. Yeah, yep. I don't understand. Just, just depth, right? I don't understand the Battle move. I mean, he's like the classic cable guy where he's he's really good at uh, physical tools and terrible at, at being an offensive lineman. I just don't understand what the point of the trade is and why we would race, waste a roster spot on it. Like, if this is the reason that we had to cut, like, one of these good defensive linemen or a Case in Williams, I don't think it was worth it. Isaiah Battle, I don't feel like was worth that. It was an odd pickup. I agree. Like he has potential, but I mean, how often do, do we see that? Actualized? Do we need ten af- ten offensive linemen? Like that's what I don't get. Posich is there because he's flexible. I think like, we do Tobin, because Tobin can start at multiple line spots. It's been said if in a pinch, Jokel is not one hundred percent healthy. And although we paid way too much to keep him or to get him in the first place, I think you have to keep ten because honestly, this. The offensive line is what our season rests on. And Joko played healthy in the preseason. Like he, yeah. he didn't look hampered. Yes, but they've said that they he keep saying is he's not. hurt. They're like yeah. prime. It's that thing I talk about where the team tries to prime the pump for things. That's the, one of the things is Joko weird injury. They're trying to get us ready for it. Riso Diambo is a league average left tackle. That was shocking. Like he played against real NFL players that play defensive end, and he played left tackle against those players, and he didn't like screw up. Very much think, at all. I think the whole, like, he ruined our season last year by stepping on Russell Wilson's foot, like, poisoned him for me. And, like, I wasn't... And then he had a he really bad... real bad He had a really bad first season. offensive... Off, he had a really bad first preseason game this preseason, too. Yes. He and looked then, panicky last year, though. That's then, the thing. I don't know what happened, man, but between the that first time back in this, in this preseason and then the second two games, he was much better. And I don't know, maybe he's just, like, a real football player. Yeah, but, he might be, like, the 20th best left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, and I, which, I mean, is, which is fine. Ooh. I like Boise State, like so. I'm rooting for him. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a cool story. He's a he's a guard converting to tackle. Like he he's really kind of defying the odds in a number of ways. Uh, can I talk about Jordan Roos real quick for a second? Please. I love Jordan Roos, so yes, say whatever uh, you want. Jordan Roos for me, there's 
there's a Red Bryant factor here in that he is a guy with a really cool beard. He's a guy with a really cool beard. <laughs> he's a just a big physical powerful guy who played for um you know, a program that wasn't experiencing its best football yeah, at the per- time. Yeah, the thing is, he was like a bright spot on the Purdue offense, but how how much dap can you get for being the bright spot at guard? Yeah. Like, if this guy had been playing for Ohio State, I legit think that he would have been like a, like a fourth or a fifth round pick. Yeah. I feel like Roos is, this is really low. This is this is a big shot. Roos is like what everything Jermaine Effetti should be. Yeah, I mean, I would... Sure. Even the way they're built. If Roos could play tackle, I would much rather have him starting than Jermaine Effetti. Effetti is the part of the offensive line that terrifies me. He yeah. looks like a he looks like a newborn cat. He looks out like there. he does not like, belong at I, all. His athletic skills are so great and the thing is he has plays in every game where I'm like, "Whoa, no one else on our offensive line can do that." And then he has four plays in a row where I'm like, "Dude, do you know what you're supposed to be doing?" Like it's very confusing. He fluctuates between pro bowler and baby giraffe on roller skates. Like I yep. you should not see an offensive lineman on his ass or belly nearly as often as you see Jermaine Effetti flopping around on one of those two things. And it's very frustrating because, like you just said, like you see these times, like you see nimble footwork, and you see like some semblance of a kick slide, and you're like, man, this is legitimate. Those, this guy could play left tackle. Those good ankles that the, the scouts always talk about with the offensive like linemen. Like a ballerina. You got to have those good ankles. I always, that's one of those great weird, ass. Those one of those uh, weird offensive linemen <laughs> scout things that I always laugh at. When I'm reading the scouting report, and I'm, then it says, he has great ankles. I'm like, what is that? What, what does that mean? But I've learned now from watching offensive line, you, you really need like weird ankle flexibility to be a great offensive lineman. Well, I watched him at uh, the training camp last season, and I was like, man, what, this, guy, this guy could be a future left tackle. Okay. I want to speak to this um, in ways that our listeners will understand. You know when you're riding on public transit and you have to do that thing where, and you're one of the people that get stuck standing up. So you're standing up on public transit and you have to do that weird thing where you kind of flex your toes and roll your ankle while gripping with your foot like a monkey. Especially when you're in like the middle part of the bus or yes. the train's turning. Yeah. Yeah. A really good NFL offensive lineman could stand up in the accordion part of the bus. Like that's kind of the easiest way I can think to say this. You have to be able to put all your weight in weird directions while still moving. And you're talking about moving a lot of bulk in that way. In some ways they make cuts almost like a running back does. All right, so that's our review of like what has been happening lately with the Seahawks. Uh, now, let's get to next week. We have real, regular season football action, and honestly, I think this game's really important. I think this game will decide who is the one seed and who is the two seed in the NFC. So I'm very excited for Seahawks at Packers. It could very well come down to that, yes. Uh, let's talk about the I'm going to talk about the Packers a little bit. They made their final cuts. Um, the Packers roster construction is such, it irritates me so much. But they actually did sign a few free agents this year, so I cannot be that mad compared to usual. But I hate how normally they just build their whole team through the draft, and they never sign any free agents, and they just really hope that people like living in Green Bay and will re-sign with them, which is not a great plan. 
They lost another good offensive lineman this offseason. Yep. Like, maybe their best offensive lineman. Although I like Brian Bulaga quite a bit, so maybe, maybe And not. Bakhtiari is a pretty yeah. solid player. Like, their tackles are really good. Uh, but, but they don't have a running back still. They just decided to roll out Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams, who has skill but is a rookie. Like, and they really seem to be thinking, like, Ty Montgomery is going to be our main guy, which, okay. And then, you know, I just don't like the way they put this team together. So am I crazy to think that the Packers maybe are Aaron Rodgers and, like, that's – like, they need him to be great every game to be good? I think at worst that's what they are. I mean – Aaron Rodgers, you know what you're going to get with him. Jordy Nelson is a great receiver. They have Randall Cobb, who's really good. I really like the Martellus Bennett signing. I think that's inspired, dare I say. And boy, they've spent a lot of first three-round draft picks on secondary guys, so that yeah. secondary better be good. Yeah, look at look at their defense. Clay Matthews is not getting any younger. And Kevin, Clay Matthews, you would say, is the dirtiest player in the NFL? I think we can all agree with that. When was the last solid, not great, Really solid season from Clay Matthews for you. You can go like between like average and great. Um, gosh, I don't well, have the stats him, in front of me. I mean, they moved him to uh, middle linebacker. The middle so linebacker flex kind of killed a couple of seasons. Yes. I thought last year he had when he played, he had a pretty solid season. What did he finish with? Like eight sacks, five sacks in nine games. Okay, five sacks in nine games. But I mean, he's no longer uh, a guy that, that is that he was flexing around. So three years ago, his last great season was 2014. He had 11 sacks. Yeah, it, it was a good season. But yeah, he. He played in middle, some middle linebacker that season. I think the middle linebacker experiment they recognized was a huge mistake with him. But it might be too late to fix it at this point. Like he's he's not getting any younger. He's now thir- this is the age thirty one season. They lost their second best pass rusher to just to just no one to go back to Carolina. Like Julius Peppers is gone now. Nick and Nick Perry is a very situational player. Like for as much as he can give speed rush, he's also the kind of player that can re- get really pushed around in the run game. Like, he could end up costing them in the 3-4. I kind of like the Ty Montgomery keep. I you feel like, like that they, they kind of doubled down on Ty Montgomery? Yeah, because he when they brought him in last year, it was in a panic situation. Uh, Eddie Lacy had, had eaten too many Sundays, And Ty Montgomery kind of, like, he fit the bill for them. He's not a guy who's, who's you know, you want at the goal line. He's not even a guy you want when you need six yards. But he will go out. He can be kind of speedy, kind of clunky. I'm not praising Ty Montgomery. I just feel like the Packers know what he can do, and he fits the bill. He is a slot wide receiver that they're forcing to play running back. I and I, I somehow works so much what they're doing so much. I don't know. Like, uh, how would you have felt if a team made Percy Harvin a running back? It probably would work out about the same as this Ty Montgomery thing is working out. I, I so, agree. Like, really, so, like, really fine. okay. Yeah, really okay. That's like, I, I really wish they would have made an effort to get like a real like normal running back though, as opposed to just spending like three middle round draft picks on guys that are all basically lottery tickets. I don't. Yeah, about, Aaron um, Jones and Jamal and Jamal Williams are both really interesting. You know, a little bit bigger running backs that are good complementary pieces, but it is interesting that they really just pick two very middling. Oh, they they prospects. drafted three running backs though. Devontae Mays, don't forget about him. Uh, uh, was he, he NC State? Utah State's finest. Oh, Utah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no. What do you guys think about Ahmad Brooks coming in? Is I that, think they needed a pass rusher. I mean, is it is it going to affect this Sunday's game significantly? In that they can rest Clay Matthews a little more. I feel maybe? like I feel like it's going to give them a little push, and that's a push they needed. Without that signing, I think that would be a 
an even more laughable it was defense. A, it was a big move that needed to happen, but how much do you get a guy in there on this short of notice? Like, I would be nervous to put him on the field a whole bunch, even though I really like Ahmad Brooks. You give him first round, first uh, first down snaps? I mean, what do you give him? I don't know. I would probably wait till next week to play him. Like to be honest with oh, you, no, you got to plug him in now. Like, it's it's an older. Like he's not even looked at the playbook, probably. Yeah, but at this point, you can say what, yesterday. Come in, rush the quarterback. Capers defense. How how yeah. exactly strategic is it? All right. Well, that's another reason why why this team has bad. They their coaches are. This is what my big thing. Their coaches are Mike McCarthy, uh, Dom Capers, and Ron Zook. Like I, Ron Zook's their special teams coach. Give me a break. Like Ron Zook was like the most fireable coach in the NCAA football for like multiple consecutive years. Everyone was like, "Please fire this guy. He's the worst Illinois coach." And now he's their special teams coordinator. Like I, do, I don't know. There's one thing I like about this team. They have really good tight ends. Like they've improved a lot at that position. Yes. Lance Kendrick and Martellus Bennett are both really good. And Richard forgetting they have Lance Kendrick. This is a weakness of the Seahawks from years past. Defending the tight end. Tight ends always kind of get off on us. Uh, last year our DVOA against tight ends was towards the bottom of the league. I do not want to play against Martellus Bennett and Lance Kendricks. I just don't want to do it. I have hope, though, because this is a different Seahawks football team than the one in the past. This team is going to play Bradley McDougald on weird downs and ask him to cover tight ends all the time. I'm very excited about that. That's a job that man can do. That is Bradley McDougald is a very real answer to our tight end woes. Uh, same thing with running back catches. I really trust us to put two linebackers and one safety on the field and ask that safety, the extra safety, to go ahead and cover Ty Montgomery. Fine. That's actually going to work. We're one of the few teams that has personnel versatility to deal with the kind of problems that Green Bay is going to give teams later in the season, which is that we have these big tight ends. We come out with two tight ends. Oh my gosh, everyone's out wide because Ty Montgomery is actually a wide receiver. It's five wide now. The Seahawks don't won't care about that. They'll be like, okay, we can deal with that. Like yeah. They have the personnel to line up against that. Yeah, because KJ and Bobby can hold down a tight end, all right. Yeah, KJ can guard. KJ can go against Lance Kendricks, and then you put McDougal on Bennett, and you have the you have a, a cornerback on tie. Like it's it's going to be fine. Uh, expect to see a lot of two linebackers from the Seahawks this week uh, on defense, and that and don't be worried about that. That's just a concession to the fact that this team has the offensive flexibility to come out in weird formations. So let's talk about matchups real quick since we're already kind of diving in. Okay. So um, Devontae Adams is unproven. Randall Cobb looked like a number three last year, all year. So I think this is a pretty good opportunity for uh, Shaquille Griffin to get some seasoning. Um, I think that he's probably going to get a decent number of snaps over lane in this game. But either way... Um, I feel like if Sherman can be Sherman against Jordy Nelson, I feel like that that's a solid matchup, matchup you mean present receiver. Following J, uh, Jordy Nelson around the field? No, I mean play his side, but I don't think they're going to be playing sides that much. I think they will. This is this is what they've done in the past, and I think you probably put Jordy Nelson on the rookie or Jordy Nelson on Jeremy Lane. Okay, go ahead and then put ET over the top. Yeah, and I think I'm that's just still saying that another, another that's how they can do it. Is th- you think that that might be actually good? I actually do not think that would be very effective. Jordy Nelson has uh, has lost a step in my opinion since coming back off his last injury. He's not exactly the same. If they're going to try to just avoid Richard Sherman with Jordy Nelson, it's not going to be as successful as it used to be. What they should do is just play offense and hope that Devonte Adams or Randall Cobb can beat the third corner, beat Jeremy Lane. You know, yep. that is a better plan to me than trying to move Jordy Nelson away because I don't think Jordy Nelson is honestly 
as it's just not as good. And last time when Green Bay cut themselves off of half the field, they played terrible the whole game. I'm not saying they're going to cut themselves off the field, but Jordy Nelson does move sides. We saw him on the left side quite a bit last year. Yeah, he, okay, actually, he likes to play on the left. Just yeah, in exactly. General. Just so in that general. that is not Sherman's side. So with that, you'll have what Shaq Griffin's going to be on the outside. I believe Shaq I thinks. So. I believe, and I and Randall Cobb is he's he's a third receiver, but he's still very capable of putting up big games. Three times a year for the Packers. I, I think he's the Jeremy Lane of wide receivers. Randy Randall Cobb has one really specific skill that really works in this offense. And Loving. that's when the play breaks down, he knows where to run on the field, and Aaron Rodgers will get you the ball in that situation. And he and Aaron Rodgers and have the, like... That like sit-down situational awareness is really good. Except against the Seahawks, it's not that good because we have such great defensive talent and speed to recover. So, like, yeah, I understand. Like, Randall Cobb... Uh, maybe I'm just not that scared of of this team, to be honest with you. And I think our defensive line, especially on the interior, can beat up the interior. Thank you, of the offensive that, line. That's where I was going next. They have Lane Taylor at left guard. Get, they have get, Corey Lindsley at center. Get to the right guard, Kevin. Who's okay. Get to the right guard. Eric's gonna love this. And they have a really average player at right guard. That'd be Jari Evans. Our old friend oh. Jari Evans. We get to go against him. Welcome of, back. Of an extremely <laughs> average right guard. How do you feel like him, Sheldon Richardson versus Jari Evans is going to go, Eric? This is an average to below average interior Better offensive than, line. It's going to be a bad day for Jari Evans. I'll tell you that. This is going to be a big test for my one good offensive lineman theory. With That's that. a fact. <laughs> and then you have to throw in Martellus Bennett kicking in on uh, passing downs. Like or uh, uh, Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Yeah. That's, I was looking. Funny, I, was I agreed looking with you, and then I was like, "Wait a second. Um, the bro- and then Michael the Bennett brother. kicking in on those pass downs. That's going to be rough. Like, because here's the thing: Blog and Bakhtiari. I think we all agree are pretty are like top ten at their position. Blog are probably right. top three right tackles. They're tier one tackles. And so, even then, though, our ends are going to get some pressure. Like are, you, they just cannot play in isolation against our ends the entire game, no, they need, they and need not help. give up some pressure. That's the thing is that you need help against the defensive ends, the talent level of the Seahawks. You need help against Cliff Averill. If you just leave Bulaga out there on an island against Averill, he's gonna get pressures. It's gonna happen because you can't do that. It's just not possible. Yeah, you leave Frank Clark out there on the left side. He's going to he's gonna he's gonna beat Bakhtiari once or twice. What about the two tight end sets and so keeping now one or both? We don't have to cover both tight ends. Yeah, if they so keep now those that guys coverage in, problem is not as big of a deal. If they keep those guys in, or they like, keep a running back in to chip a block, I like, think they're going to be keeping like two tight ends and constantly mixing up who they're sending out, who they're protecting. Totally agree, but I feel like the pass rush forcing them not to put all their weapons on the field is a win for the Seahawks, flat out. I guess what I'm I'm not trying to defend the Packers at all here, but remember, Packers are still a very good team. They're probably going to. I, I didn't say probably in the prediction show. Oh, they're show. a matchup nightmare for a lot of teams. They're going to win their division. And this team beat us last year. This team seems to beat us when the game is in Green Bay. This Sunday, the game is in Green Bay. I just think it's early enough in the season. The weather won't be a factor, which can which can yes. clog us yes. up, That's especially against Green Bay. Uh, I, just, I like our chances in this game better than most of the time we play Green Bay. Uh, so now I want to talk defensive matchups. And I understand time, but... I. Let's take a look at their defensive line. Uh, Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, and either Mike Daniels or Montrevious Adams. Well, don't forget Ricky Jean Francois. That's my boy. Like, I'm always going to rep Ricky Jean Francois. You keep repping. Um, I love him, man. I know he's old, but <laughs> he's like, fine. He was. He's. He's a. He's good as a defensive end in a three-four. He's fine. <laughs> like he's not JJ Watt, but he, he'll stop the run. 
He's, he's Ricky Jean. He's fine. You just like, like the name. You just like the name. I know, no. I just like the. I always thought like the Washington football team's defense was a little underrated, and this guy was like one of the reasons. I thought he was like a solid like space filler for the for those defense for the good defensive. He is solid, and he does fill space. That's you got you got it. No, that's what I'm saying. Like that's what you need to do as a three four defensive end, unless you're JJ Watt and you're literally Jesus. And so with that in mind, I feel like there's not going to be a big test on our tackles, except from the linebackers. Uh, Nick Perry offers a speed rush, and then you actually have to deal with some pass rushing moves from Clay Matthews and or Ahmad Brooks. I feel like uh, Russell Wilson will be able to step up in the pocket, and I feel like our runs to the right side were pretty darn good all preseason, and you can run to the right on this team because Dean Lowry slash the run-filling solid object Ricky Jean-Francois are on the left side. If you're running on the right side, you're running against maybe a rookie of Montrevis Adams or Mike Daniels, who's solid, but not great. And then you're running against Nick Perry, who I think is someone who can get blown out on run plays. You ready? Fair enough. Ready for my uh, my ma- defensive matchup, Kevin, that I think really matters in this game? Blake Martinez versus Jimmy Graham? Yeah, the the, the old Blake Martinez, Jake Ryan versus Jimmy Graham thing. That is not... Uh, that is I want- that is not a matchup I would favor. I would strongly favor the Seahawks in this matchup uh, because both those guys are are decent. They're they're average NFL. Football What's players. the knock on Blake Martinez? Uh, that he went to Stanford. No, that he's a step <laughs> slow. Oh yeah, that is the whole thing. He's a he's a really 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 solid. And Jake, Jake knows his job and everything. He's a step slow. Jake Ryan was one of Pro Football Focus's most improved players last year, but he improved to seventy one point four. He improved. And he's painfully to average. average. So, like, these guys are some – they got some average middle linebackers, and if they're going to rely on those two guys to spend a lot of time in coverage on James Graham, it is going to be a rough, rough go for them. Now, they have great safeties. Morgan Burnett, Ha, Clinton Dix. They have good cornerbacks. Quinn Rollins, Kevin King, uh, I like like I like their secondary players. But they, they don't want to spend – in a 3-4, you don't want to bring out a bunch of extra defensive backs a whole bunch, especially on first down. It kind of messes up everything you're trying to do. Because then we'll just run power. Yeah, just run power and then the, it's over. Like, yeah, just screw up their day. So the and or like just run option plays over and over. Like it's just going to not get, to mention they're going to have to spy. Yeah. This, so this I don't like the way their defense matches up with us either. Uh, so Eric, let's get to picks. Let's get let's get this done in a solid forty minutes and get leave lots of time for the what I have planned for movie club. Okay, okay. let's do it. Okay, Eric, how do you feel this game's going? Okay. I oh. think the only way this spells doom for the Seahawks is if the Eddie Lacy welcome back tour goes awry. Chris Carson comes in, doesn't get any push, and makes a fumble. Other than that, I have the Seahawks, and especially someone we actually have not said. We said by proxy, but we didn't say his name. Russell Wilson. Yep. With a very, very good game, a very big game, a game that says, hey, He's a quarterback who knows how to throw the ball accurately and well and was fairly well protected. I like the Seahawks in this game, 26 to 16. Uh, okay, so Kevin, how do you feel? You're, you're on the Seahawks bandwagon as well here? I am on the Seahawks bandwagon on this. I think the matchups favor Seattle. I think before injuries really have a chance to set in too much. Um, I think our ones versus their ones 
there's an advantage there. I think it's going to be a little high scoring, though. I think that Green Bay will be able to create a few mismatches, and there's going to be a couple of long touchdown plays. Aaron Rodgers just going to put the ball in the perfect spot, and maybe a tight end breaks open or something else. You can have a couple like 30-yard touchdowns on their part. It's going to require a good, strong debut from Russell Wilson, and I think he wants that. He's going to be as driven as ever to come out with a bang this season because he feels like he has a lot of doubters to prove wrong. And he wants to show that he can carry a team as a quarterback. As Eric said, throwing the ball with accuracy. That's right. All right. So uh, I'm going 31-24. There we go. That's what I was waiting for. Okay. So for me, I'm going to do what an old school Seahawksness thing. This is an old school Seahawksness thing where I'm going to go. Jinx. Well, best case, worst case. Oh. Okay. So that's my old one thing I used to always do. And I think the best case for the Seahawks here is the defense is as great as we think. We slow Aaron Rodgers way down. And the offense is able to create space against these uh, mediocre middle linebackers. And we win like 28 to, 28 to 14. I think the worst case is that the offense just doesn't get going. The offense doesn't get going. The defense is on the field for way too long, just like last year, right? And the, the Green Bay is able to pull off like a 21 to 10 victory. I think we're going to be way closer to best case and worst case in this one, though. Give me the Seahawks, 21 to 10. All right. We're going to play. We're going to. Oh, let's get in the money zone first. Uh, we've gained some new Patreon subscribers this, this week. I just want to say thank you to you guys. Uh, the support really helps. Uh, it helps me uh, keep the uh, the lights on here at Casa de uh, Nathan. And not really. It's <laughs> it's like two hundred dollars a year. It helps me buy new equipment though. So uh, if you like that, the fact that we have like decent recording quality compared to most podcasts and no like weird buzzes or hums and stuff, that's because of the Patreon support. Like that's why we can do it. And once we get a little bit more, we're going to be able to start giving back we're going to try to do some giveaways some cool stuff like that so keep your ear to the ground for that if you want to support us on patreon you can head to patreon.com slash seahawks nest on the sea on the patreon there is an exclusive weekly podcast where we pick all 16 games so if you want to make fun of our picks if you want to uh, trash on us for how stupid we are if you want to hear just a bunch of lame jokes in rapid fire session because we record it in, in 20 minutes or less uh, you can go ahead and head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. If you want great information to use for gambling, don't don't use this podcast for that. Yeah. Oh, no, That's I was not say, a good you idea. Can, you can use this to gam- gamble with. I'm not saying whether to go with it or to just fade us, you know, and just like bet <laughs> against every single one of our picks. You get, you need to make that choice for yourself. So uh, you also can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest, facebook.com slash The Seahawks Nest. Uh, and uh, that's about it for that. So we're going to play a little game today for a movie club. Uh, you guys might notice a theme emerge here that might help you. We're going to play the IMDb game. Uh, I'm gonna, I cribbed this straight from uh, Douglas Movies, which is like my favorite podcast that I'm not on. Uh, so yeah, don't use your phone, Eric. No cheat. No, no digital devices. Oh, no, I'm, no sorry. I'm sorry. I'm okay, sorry. I wasn't. So, closed my digital device. And I, I want to put this for record. I closed my digital device. I look over and see Eric pulling his phone I, out. I was, I'm Eric, just going to put that here. I know you have a clear view of my monitor here, so make sure not to look this way. I'm, I'm going to look uh, down. At okay, so nothing. here's how it works. I'm going to start reading the top four <laughs> of an actor's IMDb page. Okay? You ready for that? I'm gonna, your job is to tell me the name of the actor. Okay? Wait, is this top four most recent? No, nope, it's four top four. Known, it's the known four on IMDb, okay. which is an algorithm that not even the most... Ardent scientists can explain. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's profile so focus rating. Sounds like anybody's if, algorithm. If you guess and you guess wrong, you get negative one point. So don't buzz in early. If you guess right, you get one point and then one bonus point for each movie you can guess 
uh, that that is in the top four. Okay, max okay. max uh, four guesses total though, right? You don't get you don't get to guess like a, in infinite movies. Sounds the good. Rules make sense to you? Yes. There is a theme that I have chosen that links all of these actors together. If you can figure out the theme, I will award you one bonus point at the end of the game. Okay, you can write the theme down on a piece of paper because I don't want you to steal the answer from the other person. All right, here we go. First actor, first movie, The Lion King. Oh, buzz in by saying your own name since I'm not looking at you guys. First movie, The Lion King. Second movie, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Second movie is Die Hard with a Vengeance. People are going crazy right now. They know who it is. They're like, Kevin, Eric, I thought you guys knew about movies. This is a Seahawks podcast where they talk about movies. Come, keep going. The third movie. You guys are no bonus points on this one. Batman versus Super Bo- Superman, Dawn of Justice. What? So we've got, in review, The Lion King, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. What if we don't know the actor's name, but we know his face? Or her face? Well, you better figure it out quick. The, <laughs> the fourth movie is... Kevin, I'm so surprised you haven't figured this out yet. The Man in the Iron Mask. Aha! Eric guesses... Jeremy Irons. Eric is correct. Eric on the board <sighs> with one point. That's Kevin, pathetic. Just pathetic. disappointing everyone. Uh, Didn't you say Die Hard 2 or do you say Die Hard 3? Die, Die Hard with, with a Vengeance. vengeance. Eh, I, the name of Die Hard I was 2. thinking number two. I was going to guess the dad on Family Matters. I'm glad I shut up. Eric, no chances to guess extras because that was the fourth one. I like how you slapped the table. That is going to sound really good in people's headphones. That's why I did it. Um, all right. So, <laughs> second one. Best known for Arrival. Best known for Arrival. Second movie, Man of Steel. That's right. So this actor or actress is known this for... This is Eric, Eric talking. Uh, it is... Oh, damn it. I forgot her name now. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, one, no, no. Eric might be going back to zero. No, 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 no. no. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I know her face. Steel, Kevin. Come on. Uh, Eric, are you, are, is that it? That's what you came up with? That bunch of weird no, noises? No, I'm the red-headed lady in Man of Steel. <laughs> I like how you're describing her, too, to give Kevin like extra extra chances. Yeah, I want it. Kevin to get this. Just, it'll be oh, better okay. radio. Uh, other two, uh, we got Nocturnal Animals. Eric, you're at z- back to zero, by the way. Great. I'm not going to get this. Typical. And then the last one is American Hustle. Great. The actress is Amy Adams. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric, Amy Adams. Yes. Uh, uh, not Catherine, not Kate. Those are the names in my head. Back to All zero. Right. Here we go. Eric, start off with Eric and Kevin. Start off with this one. Wonder Woman. This person is in Wonder Woman. This is so funny to me. Gal Gadot. Fuck it. Kevin says Gal Gadot, and he is correct. Kevin on the board with one point. Kevin, name three other Gal Gadot movies. Oh, shit. Or you can just pass and not take the bonus points. Um, Fast Five. Okay. That's one. Um. I like that you went straight to Fast Five. (laughs) <laughs> oh fast six okay fast six yeah, good one fast seven okay so kevin <laughs> the movie is actually called furious seven but Thank i'm gonna you. give it to you anyway i'm feeling i'm in a good mood the Hello. other two movies in the top four batman versus superman dawn of justice and keeping up with the joneses <laughs> wow yeah that's right i'm, I'm more proud of my tagline, tagline for keeping up with the joneses license to kill License to chill. 
No wonder that movie was such a hit. All right, here we go. Next one. First movie. Argo. Ben Affleck. Eric says Ben Affleck, and he is correct. Eric, back on the board with one point. Eric, name Ben Affleck movies. Goodwill Hunting. Okay, that's one. I'll tell you if you're right at the end. Batman v Superman, because it's on there. Okay, that's two. I want to go deep pull on my Ben Affleck movies, but not too deep. Not Daredevil deep. Um, Electric. No, he wasn't in Electric. <laughs> Don't try and steal this, Kevin. Uh, I'll go. Uh, uh, Gone, Gone Girl, Gone, okay. Gone. Okay, girl. so that's a good one because Goodwill Hunting and Gone Girl are correct. The other movie in the top four is not Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice, but Kevin, could you guess it? I'm I'm just curious because it's a it's a great Ben Affleck movie. Um, it's one that we both really love. I think. Oh, say say a... mole rats, Kevin. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> Kevin. Say mole rats. Are you talking rats. about the actor from the fashionable male? Um, <laughs> oh, it's one that we both really like. Is it? Uh, did he direct it? Uh, that's that's a dead giveaway. If I say yes or no, is to it that. town? It's, it's the town. town. Yeah. All right, here movie. we go. The next the next actor was in Whiplash. <laughs> Yep, that's right. He won an Oscar for Whiplash. That's a huge hit. Second one, Spider Man. Wait, which which Spider Man? Spider Man, the one <laughs> called Spider Man. Spider Man. Spider Man. The next one, Spider Man Two. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. So this actor is in Whiplash, the movie about jazz drumming. This is I'm I would be going oh, nuts. Oh uh, no no! Uh, quiet quiet. Spider Man, and Spider Man Two. The last one. I just don't know his name. The Closer. I, Aaron, I describe him for us. Describe him for the audience because this will make it funnier to me. When I he's to he is every. I know your theme already, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I got this. I got this right away. He's a. Uh, he plays J. Jonah Jameson in the Spider-Man movies. He does, and he is. I, he's like that every man older white guy actor. Yep, you're, he is, you're correct. He has. He has basically shown that he can You're do. You're making this so much better. For yeah, me. he's he's a great actor. He's a great character actor, and he does Allstate commercials too. Yes, he does. So yeah, I'm just gonna. Uh, Rob Baronis is his name. Is that his name? J.K. Simmons. That's I knew it was a J in there. All right, here we go. Uh, here's one. Man of Steel. Henry Cavill. Yeah, it is Henry Cavill. It's the Superman. Speed that, that we up. We've talked about a million times in this podcast. Eric, name three more Henry Cavill vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna go Man from Uncle. Okay, that's that is that is a very good one. We are going to go Immortals. Okay, and we are going to go Batman v Superman. Okay, Henry Cavill is in Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. The Man from Uncle and Immortals. Eric sews it up right there. That was like he, okay. Coming here's back. the thing, Eric. Do you sleep next to a cardboard cutout of Henry Cavill? Like, what have was you that? have you seen him? Not the next guy to is you. the I'm guy is gorgeous. Him. Kevin did pretty good though. I I was like saying that's an honorable performance from Kevin who like doesn't watch as many movies from the like 2000 to 2010. Also, I also suck at memorizing actors. I was going to say if I may just this speak for Kevin, if I had to be like Kevin will name an actor, nope. Okay, so Kevin, you get to go first. On the theme, because I know Eric knows it. Kevin? Justice League. It is Justice League. Kevin is on to four points. And Eric, you're going to get your eighth point because you knew it was Justice League right away. So here's what I'm talking about. Justice League. Can I ask the bonus question of why you didn't ask us a Jason Mimosa movie? 
Because Jason Momoa, <laughs> the first one is Stargate Atlantis. And the second one is Conan. Anyway, the go ahead. Sorry. Like Game of Thrones, probably. I didn't look. Do you want me to look? I, Jason I know Momoa, Conan's on there because that's Conan really all he did. Conan was the second one. The third one is Baywatch. And actually, no Game of Thrones. The fourth one is Bullet to the Head. There you go. Which I've never even heard of. That's a Stallone vehicle. This looks sweet. I want to watch this movie. That sounds like my reaction to having to watch that movie. <laughs> Dude, it's got... Okay, wait, wait, wait. It's, it's got no over-the-top... It's got Sung Kang, who is the who is like the uh, the um, well, he's like the Asian guy in the Fast and the Furious. Uh, he's awesome. He's like the Asian guy, or he is the Asian. He guy? is the Asian guy. And okay. then Sylvester Stallone, Jason Momoa, Christian Slater. How have I not heard of this movie? This movie sounds sweet. Like this sounds like something you'd find in like the dollar bin of a gas station. I think this is in the dollar bin of Netflix <laughs> for a long time. Bullet to the head, action thriller. All right, so Justice League. Okay, we are in kind of a weird spot where this uh, with movies coming out soon, where like the next huge movie will be just Justice League probably. It? Let, it'll be the first next one to crest a hundred million dollars opening weekend. Oh, okay, that's it, it's going to be big. I don't think it'll make it to a hundred. I don't. Thor probably won't either. There's a hard cap on like movies like that, and I think Thor is just too niche of a property to cross. Thor will. Thor. Million. Thor's making its I think move. Thor's going to hit like ninety. Yeah, I, I I would agree with Kevin. So now. Justice League. I just have one question for you, Eric. Will yeah. this movie be good? No, it will not. All right, there we go. Uh, you, you, the reason why is because it was already good when it was called Guardians of the Galaxy. And now, uh, if you've watched the trailer, the... It's so, like, the villain jokey, looks, Yeah, well, not only that, but the villain looks like the villain in the first Guardians movie. And it's not even, like, a well-known comic villain... Like, why would you build a movie around the character named Steppenwolf? And it's can you, just stupid. Can you think of two directors with more, like, distinctive, like, not similar directorial voices than Zack Snyder and the man who came in to finish this movie, Joss Whedon? Well, it's funny because you told me that a few weeks ago. You said Joss Whedon was finishing and I was like, what? When did this happen? And you were like, you didn't know that? I didn't know it. I still can't believe it. Why am I blanking out? What's the movie where Spielberg came in and finished it? Oh, AI. AI. Yeah. And it was one of those things where, like, exact that's same. the scene Spielberg did. That's the scene, and this but seems very, very. Well, possible. I just think the ending is so like not Kubrick at the end of it, of AI. It's like, well, obviously Spielberg did all of this himself. Well, like, it's funny. This is you're listing like the like the amazing directors, and this is like the crummy director version. Like Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon okay. are not Kubrick and Spielberg. And then I have a big piece of movie news that I'm going to bet neither of you have heard yet. Okay, which is that uh, Trevor Doctorow, the director of Jurassic World, he just got pulled from Star Wars Episode Nine. Oh, uh, wow. So, or maybe it's Cory Doctorow. I don't know. I don't really like the Jurassic. I thought Jurassic World was was a very average movie that was fun to watch. It was very fun. It was very summer blockbuster. Uh, so let me let me ask you guys this: uh, Who is your dream director? This is the thing I'm going to end on. Who's your dream director for Star Wars Episode Nine? I have a very specific answer to this. Do you want me to go first? So yeah, you got the ahead. time to think. Okay, my dream director is is the guy who directed Kong Skull Island, and his name is Jordan Voigt Roberts. And I just think, like, the way that Jordan Voigt Roberts just, like, slam-dunked Kong, like, it was just such... It was so Kong. Like, it was perfect tonally. I just think he's the kind of guy who could go in and just, like, slam-dunk a Star Wars movie. Now, here's the problem. He doesn't want to do Star Wars right now because he's really trying to get this Metal Gear Solid movie made. And I respect <laughs> and I respect him for that. That is a noble cause. So you know what? Go Jordan Boy Roberts, but if that doesn't work out for you, please make Star Wars because he would do so amazing with it. And like I really love his movie Kings of Summer. It's a small independent movie that he made. 
before he got Kong, and I really recommend to anyone, Nick Offerman from Parks and Recreation is in it, and it is so good. Okay? Eric, who's, I already, your, dream, who's your dream Star Wars director? I have this because I think it would be really cool because he's such a practical effects guy, and he will use CGI, but he won't overuse it. And I'd say that's Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. Ooh. I'm sorry, Kevin. Kevin what are the friggin' odds that yeah. somebody else would say Guillermo del Toro you know, for a be- Star Wars because, movie? Especially because I thought like... That's such a weird thing, and I can't believe I'm not the only person that had that thought. It's because you see him you with the aliens, would, it would work, right? I thought one of you guys would pick Alfonso Cuaron for sure. But like, just because... For me, Guillermo del Toro does a great job of blending setup piece with action piece. Yeah, in and, a way that pays off for the final movie in a trilogy and, well. And the aliens are going to look cool. <gasps> and unique. Del Toro makes it. And super unique. And, and they would be... They wouldn't be CGI. Yeah, they would not. They would not be CGI beasts. Mm-hmm. They would be makeup and it would look really cool. And they, the, I think that the actors would interact more naturally with them. It's hard to act with someone in a green screen suit. It just yeah. is. There's just nothing you can do about it. Like, it's just... It's, it's an almost impossible task. So, yeah, that'd be really cool if Del Toro did it. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron, I think, would be a good choice. Uh, Ryan Johnson, again, because Ryan Johnson's awesome. Looper's a really cool movie. Like, I'm glad he's making episode eight. Uh, so if they run it back with Ryan Johnson another time, yeah, I'm for that. Sure. Um, Looper is a really... Uh, Looper's, like, a really interesting movie. Like I, Looper's I think probably on our list, right? People, yeah. People kind of just, like, pass that movie by. I'm waiting for Kevin to watch it, basically. Yeah, Looper you is you amazing. Yet, right? I have not seen Looper yet. Has anyone here seen Brick? Because Ryan Johnson did Brick as well. No, I've not seen Brick. Is Brick oh my seen? gosh, Brick is Brick is one of those movies where is like it mighty mighty. It <laughs> does it stick with you like Looper does? Because Looper kind of sticks with you, like like you just kind of remember that. It depends. Here's the thing about Brick. Brick is uh, also it's a very young uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's like the the who done it, like the detective story. But whereas like you know most detective stories take place in like the 40s, and of course the Big Lebowski was like the detective story in. Like, you know, Pasadena, Northern California. In the 90s. In like the 90s. 90s. This takes place in a high school. And it is... It, at first, when you're like, a detective story, I'm in. In high school, I'm out. But it works, and it's awesome. And what is it? It's got what I love. It's got emotion. It's got heart. It's got catharsis. Yeah. I love it. All right. And, I mean, what's the best episode of Breaking Bad? It's like Ozymandias. Like, anyone who watches the show, like, really religiously will say that. And Ryan Johnson directed that, too. So, Yeah. He's he's got game to say the least. Like he's got, he's, he's pretty got selective game. with his movies too. And like Last Jedi will be will be good, I think. Uh, All early indications are it should be amazing. All right, well that's our movie club for this week. I uh, had a little fun at maybe their expense because I thought like hey I knew Kevin wasn't going to do great at it. You actually did better than I thought, Kevin. That's why I gave you a compliment at the end because I was like yeah. Kevin's going to get zero and he got. Four. I almost just didn't guess it and boycotted the whole thing. I'll be honest. <laughs> no, you should. You did good. I was proud of you. Like, good job. So, uh, for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, I'm Nathan Santo, and we will see you next week. Go Hawks! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>